podcast, a podcast where the movies of John Travolta face off with the movies of Nicolas Cage. Until we eventually watch the movie Face Off! Yes, along the way we'll ponder their contributions to the American notions of masculinity, heroism, and terrorism. I'm Jess McBride. And I'm Aaron Hennessy, and we are your hosts and resident experts on men, heroes, and terrorism. This is episode number one. It's going to be amazing, so just hold on to your britches, because there are a lot of cocaine and explosions <laughs> in both of these <laughs> movies. Um, it is true. Yeah. Uh, for episode number one, we are looking at The Rock and From Paris with Love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start off with The Rock because it was made first. The Rock yeah, was released. Yeah, might as well go first. <laughs> Age Before Beauty. Uh, Age yeah. Before Weird Movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Rock was released in 1996. It was directed by Michael Bay. This was this was Nicolas Cage's movie for the week. Um, Nicolas's mo- co-stars included... Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery, and Ed Harris. Yep. Um, the budget for the movie was $75 million, and their Yikes. box office income was $335 million, So they made a penny on it. Whoa. Um, quick, quick IMDb review. A mild-mannered... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. A mild-mannered chemist... And an ex-con must lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men, led by a renegade general, threaten a nerve gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's crazy. But you know what, Jessica? I'd say From Paris With Love is a, it's, it's a fair match. It's something that could definitely face well, off against Yeah, I mean, I think that we, we I think what, what clued us into this this comparison was that they were both dealing with terrorism in an urban setting, right? San Francisco and Paris, yes. um, you know, very compact, expensive places to conduct Indeed. one's terrorist activities. <laughs> <laughs> As one should. So, As yeah, one does. I, I think, don't know. I mean, they are really different movies in many ways, but also having very uncanny similarities so uncanny completely uncanny. why don't it's you crazy. yeah why don't you introduce from paris with from love, paris with love we'll, we'll fpwl okay so from paris with love came out in 2010 it was directed by pierre morel i think i'm saying that right i'm assuming that's how you say it with a french accent morel there it is there there's like go. an r anyway mm-hmm. uh the co-star of our fair John Travolta was Jonathan Reese Davies, right? Is it Davies? Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Now I'm doubting myself. I was like mm-hmm. Reese Myers, Reese Davies. I don't know why Myers sounds right too. I'm just gonna double- wait. I was right. I'm not okay. It is. I got Reese Davies from from Gimli, Son of Glowin. I think. Oh um, my gosh! It's Reese Myers. I'm so glad I caught that. I just um, wrote it down straight up. So Jonathan Reese Myers. Uh, the budget was $52 million, and in the box office, it made just under $53 million. So you could consider it to be a box office failure. I mean, it just broke even. That Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, here's, that's a failure, I would say. But, I mean, technically, 
Yeah, technically <laughs> it made the cut. <laughs> but, Plus with the but, DVD yeah, those... residuals. <laughs> Just, I don't know. Yep, I'm sure those DVD residuals were at least $1,000. Um, so this is uh, the description of the movie. James Reese, Jonathan Reese Myers, has a good job. Sorry, let me say that again. Has a good job as an ambassador's aide in France, but his real passion is a side gig, working in a minor role in the CIA. He would love to be a full-fledged agent and can't believe his luck when he lands an assignment with Charlie Wax, John Travolta. Trigger-happy Charlie soon has James crying for his desk, desk job, <laughs> but when he learns that the same guys they're trying to catch are after him, James realizes that Charlie may be his only hope of survival. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Those were very different styles. <laughs> Those were not the same summary writers at all. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. They really tried to fluff up uh, From Paris with Love quite a bit. So um, this yeah. was my first time so, watching either of these movies. Had you seen, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming you didn't see From Paris with Love. Had you seen The Rock before? I had not seen The Rock before. Okay, so we I, were... It was one of those movies that it was like always on my radar. Like, I should check this out at some point, but I never saw it. And From Paris with Love, I did not even know it existed. No, no, which, I did not. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I think I think the place we were at in life, we were just like not really going to the movies at that point and definitely not going to see John Travolta movies. We were probably like going to see yeah. the new Wes we Anderson were, film. <laughs> we were living in New York at the time. We were living and, in New York. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were basically... Actually, <laughs> living on I was pennies. probably watching a lot of chick flicks, yeah. And I was getting them from the library, so... There, yeah, yeah, we had to that. wait a year or so before this hit the library shelf, and, you know, yes. and then you were maybe in the mountains, so... Oh, um, yeah. This kind of flew under our radar. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah, I mean, I feel... So I watched From Paris with Love first, and... You did. It, it really was kind of the quintessential out of the comfort zone experience as far as like these, this is not a kind of movie that I watch at all. Um, you know, it's action. It's clearly marketed to men, you know, as far as the characters and values and images and all the things. And it definitely felt like, Oh, this is not for me. Like this, (laughs) you know, was not made Mm -hmm. for, for someone like me. And so it was, it was, fascinating to sort of see something so different and kind of see like oh this is like really I can really see um like a lot of the values they're putting forward and a lot just how these writers and and filmmakers think you know about these different things um so it was I think that was a really interesting movie for me to, to start with in this whole you know in this whole movie watching journey um because it is it was super different than like the movies I'm used to seeing definitely and I I don't know I think there was a part of me that just like went into this movie with I I mean I came out with fists flying like I was just like ready to hate everything in the film because I really from the get-go nothing really I mean was that striking about it especially Oh boy, Jonathan Reese Myers. Um, <laughs> I my description of him in our notes. I said I hate him, 
He is like the color beige. And then take that beige and paint it with beige again. That's what I said about him. He just seemed like such a boring character, and it made me so angry initially. And then he went home um, or came home from work, you know, this, like, tough day at work in the office, and his his girlfriend was just like, hey, I'm just, like, making dresses out of our curtains, and look how creative and quirky I am. And I was like, this is, this is what every man wants, and mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate everything <laughs> about it. I hate that he's dating a French woman named Caroline and she made these curtain dresses and I, you know, I don't know so so much of it. And then like meeting John Travolta's character initially really rubbed me the wrong way too. Which was Um, kind of on purpose, right? Like we're supposed to be, and and even he was kind of playing a character for. So now that we're clear on how I use the M word with no disrespect to you, or your official capacity as the guardian of your country's borders, I'll just move on with my cans. No, monsieur, ça ne fera jamais en France. It will never end in France, okay? Well, how am I supposed to have the energy to enjoy the endless pleasures of your fine city? We can get you a few shots of espresso on the way out instead, sir. It is very important that you clear customs. Not without my cans. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I I had noticed a lot of like, uh, you know, right away we're we're setting up John Travolta's character as being sort of the opposite of John Reese Myers, where um, or his name is John Reese, which is weirdly close to his own name. Yes, um, maybe yes. <laughs> they're like, we need a name. What's your name? Great. Um, <laughs> You know, like he, John Reese Myers' character is like drinking red wine. He's cultured. He has, um, he's very intellectual. He's he's so like whip smart when he's uh, kind of talking to the diplomat that he serves for. And, um, you know, is like really making an effort and, uh, you know, has very like neat clothes. And even the way that he solves the problem of getting the... <laughs> the energy drinks past the border guards is like to, to like use his standing in the diplomatic service to be like, this is diplomatic mail. Right. So instead of Mm -hmm. yelling and blessed, like kind of, uh, kind of shouldering his way through this problem, he uses his mind. Whereas Mm -hmm. kind of throughout the movie, we see Travolta's character being very physically competent, right? He yes. kind of knows exactly when to drop the air conditioner or whatever. He, I can't think it's the air conditioner. He, he like, mm-hmm. knows how to, like, he's very skilled with his guns. He knows that there's a bomb in the, in the SUV and, like, knows how to physically demonstrate that for, for James. Which is yeah, weird. right? Which By is, backing like, into the line of cars. Necessary. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of an interesting juxtaposition of, like, you know, physical uh, acuity versus mental acuity. Um, and, yes. you know, but both being necessary, you know, in um, to be a, a valuable man, right? Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, I think that... And also, like, that beginning scene of introducing the woman of, like, coming home is a weird parallel with our other movie, The Rock, right? We have almost it the same is. scene where the it woman comes home. It is identical. <laughs> it's weird. It's 
when that happened, when I saw, because I started with The Rock, and then when I watched From Paris with Love and I got to that part, I just went, <gasps> yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> it was I couldn't believe it. Strange. Like, basically, in both movies, what happens is their partners or girlfriends or whatever come home and propose to them. Like, I, or actually, well, in this, no, I mean, first in this one, they come home and be delightful, and then uh-huh. the next day make a dinner on the rooftop specifically oh it is yes 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they proposed to them mm-hmm. that so yeah these this was this very parallel like setting up this line which interestingly the the women the role of the women really diverge in the two movies you know in the in from paris with love the woman gives him a ring that ends mm-hmm. up being a tracking device and so it's like her marriage proposal is actually this like control device Ruse. and yep. mm-hmm. that it ends up being a danger, you know, like it ends up being yeah. like, putting him in danger. And then in the rock, you know, it's a ring, <laughs> but it girlfriend. ends up, I don't know, it's a girlfriend, but yeah, I mean, she, she ends up being this kind of reason why he's doing this work, right? Like, it's not that... Mm-hmm she's the threat it's like something's threatening her and she becomes this motivation for why he needs to save Alcatraz and San Francisco in particular right Mm -hmm. like because she is came to San Francisco accidentally not accidentally but like you know she (laughs) came there I mean she wanted to like hang out with him right she thought it was just a job and then it was ended up being mm -hmm. a terrorist and he's like he's actually like oh crap this is worse than I thought it was gonna be you can't come and then she gets mad oh my goodness what a lady um I like that she well no I guess we're should we stick to from Paris with love for now um let's let's circle back because we have yeah we'll circle back because I I did like her character but here's the thing I started out being really critical of From Paris with Love. I really, I really did not enjoy it at first. And then as the movie progressed and the relationships between Travolta and Reese Myers progressed, I started to like the movie more. And I, I honestly think that was solely because of Travolta's character. Hmm. Because I think Travolta, in more ways than one, like Travolta obviously, like, supported Reese Myers or we'll just call him Reese Wax supported Reese that's not how we do things here sir well that's how I do things why don't you call the embassy and get me a different driver who will comply to the way I do things I'm not your driver I'm your partner yeah you're the chess player I read your file you play do I look like I play board games throughout the movie like this poor man just doesn't know how to do anything he doesn't know how to shoot a gun he can't you know he's like really he doesn't know how to do drugs he's he doesn't know how to do drugs oh my gosh the scene with him snorting cocaine in the elevator of the eiffel tower is crazy yeah it 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 was nuts well Um, it was really entertaining to watch (laughs) yeah i mean again like i think i think there's a lot of choices in this movie of like this will look cool like having him like snort cocaine out of a vase well also that so he snorts cocaine and he can't he like can't hear travolta (laughs) clearly explain a whole pivot in the movie where he's like i was lying about the drugs (laughs) we're really looking for terrorists 
which I think I I did not get the first time. I was uh-huh. sort of like, how did this pivot happen to the terrorists? I uh-huh. like I was on track with the with the daughter of the Secretary of State or Defense, and and then it was just terrorists. And then it's like all of a sudden yeah. terrorists are happening, and you're like, wait a second, but it because the explanation happened when he was high, and so. You really had to pay oh. attention in the car when he's like, you know, kind of flipping out. Yep. And I missed Here, it. So here's another thing that's super interesting about that part. So, okay, so he gets high. They're on the, the at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's where it happened. And he's talking about his girlfriend. He's talking about Caroline and he says, She's no ordinary girl, Wax. And Wax says back to him, they never are. And when I heard that, it's like the way he even said it, it was like kind of like you're saying about like knowing about the bomb. Like he he knows everything. Like I feel like he kind of already knew going into everything what he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of like this prolific character in that way that he is like one, he's always one step ahead of everyone almost. And um, he kind of called it like, I mean, whether or not he actually knew for sure that Caroline was a terrorist, but, but that was kind of a fun little like foreshadowing moment where I was like, Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I did not hit on that, but that is, yeah. I mean, no matter what he's talking about, he's obviously, he's sort of saying like, I've been around the block, uh, with relationships and ultimately I've landed on being married to my gun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, he says, you know, till death do us part, right? And he, like, just minutes before we, like, have this marriage proposal from Caroline. And so, you know, we have James being like, I am about to enter into marriage till death do us part with a human person, you know? And Wax is, like, clearly, like, I don't need that. I have my gun. That's my wife. And then you know, I'll get a piece on the side when I, whenever I'm like out doing errands. <laughs> when we come across a prostitute, yeah. I will have sex with her. He's definitely like, you know, bull in the china shop, irreverent. And I think some people like that, right? I think there's the, the sort of highbrow culture of James where he's like, I mean, you know, when you're in the diplomatic service, you have to know how to act and speak. And that's mm-hmm. your strength, right? Be- knowing the codes, knowing yeah. how to comport yourself. And that does not matter at all in Charlie Wax's world, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. just like, I don't care. I don't have any code. I don't care if I offend you or other people, <laughs> you know. Um, I do things in the way that I find amusing, <laughs> Um, and I think that there's some people like that, hashtag 2016, um, of like <laughs> being like, oh, that's refreshing uh-huh. or that's, you know, because I don't know the code either. Um, it's refreshing when there's someone else who doesn't know the code and just does does it his own way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that was definitely kind of what Wax was was representing for sure. Yeah, for also, sure. Also, we see, we see like James... Reese sort of growing in his understanding of how to survive throughout the movie, right? Like he's learning from Wax. Like we see in the beginning where, you know, he sees what we think is blood on the floor 
Oh, I hated that thing. so much. And then he's like, Caroline? He just like grabs a mop or something. And you're just like, you want to be in special ops? And you're just like, hello. You're just like, I'm just going to call. No, you're not ready for special ops, Sen. going on. Sen, you need to stick oh with my the, the license plates. Um, Seriously. Speaking of Caroline, I I was I again like I was just so angry at that character the whole time until we find out that she's a terrorist. And I wrote in my notes, Caroline is way cooler than I expected. Um, <laughs> which I think is I'm not condoning terrorism, but what I love about that character and the transition in the character later in the story, when she does, we do find out that she is indeed bad. She shoots him for one. Um, she shoots uh uh, boyfriend, mm-hmm. but then also she has such a strong sense of purpose, um, in her cause, you know. And of course, it is driven by a man, but which is a little annoying. Like she's like, you know, whoever hurt, you know, the guy that inspired everything. I met a man a few years ago, and um, I now I see things clearly, and I'm like, no. But she did. She did have this like very strong sense of self, which was interesting to see. Well, that was the, the first time, right? That you know, yeah. Because she like everything about her character and the writing of her character was about him. Mm-hmm. And then when she was fi- when it's finally like, oh, she's actually has her own agenda. Um, yes. You know, and he actually says, uh, and she's like, I knew I had a purpose. And James says, to lie to me, to shoot me, and it's like. Uh, I don't think that's the purpose. It's not about you. Good guess. <laughs> nice try. You know, it's like he's so um, like, wait, what about me? And you know, you don't you love me? So, um, so of course he's like, oh, your purpose is to particularly like lie to me and shoot me instead of being like, you yeah, have like a huge terrorist plot life. actually planned. Like you have a a larger plan. Yeah. Um. Are there any other, like, big things that stood out to you in this film? I I would say the only thing I really enjoyed, I thought was very intentional in this movie, was the fighting sequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they did get a little crazy, but they were also, like, I started to kind of mark them by, like, certain characteristics. Like, at the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is the Chinese restaurant fight with the cocaine coming out of the ceiling. Right. You know, like, it was kind of fun and visual. And then they go to the mannequin warehouse, and it's like, oh, this is a fun fight, too. Yeah, I mean, um, visually, I feel like yeah. they did take it to another level that they didn't necessarily have to. It wasn't just like, here's some shooting. But it was, mm-hmm. I think, kind of some spectacular visuals. I definitely liked the mannequin scene, although I just felt like it was maybe a chance to see like female bodies explode. And then even like at the end, when... They're at a, like, African reception, and they have, yes. you know, there's these, like, I don't know if they're nuns of a sort or priestesses, but they, or or if it's just a fashion. I couldn't find it online. I was like, is this, like, a tribal thing? But it's just, like, these kind of marigold, you know, orange-yellow oh, like robes that looked amazing, mm. right? Like, they were yeah. amazing. Um they were really beautiful. But it was sort of like you kind of just exotified like the you know if there was a African reception at the Paris with this Paris diplomat like they would be wearing like traditional garb, they would be wearing like what they would have a diversity of clothing and 
it wouldn't be these striking robes. So it was sort of mm-hmm. like, uh, this doesn't make any sense, but it does look really cool. And then obviously, you know, it's, you know, she's in one of them and she like slowly reveals the vest, which is sort Her of, you face. know, she wouldn't do that. She has an agenda. She yeah. would just oh, and the vest. hit the button. Mm-hmm. But I think, so just in yeah. wrapping up, I wanted to like, I think what I came away with from this movie um, were like two big, two big values that I feel like they were very preachy about. One of which was um, being a part of the club. Like they specifically mm-hmm. like, you do this, you know, take Charlie Wax around. You do this, you're part of the club. And then at the end, you know, his whole, the whole movie is him like getting in with Charlie and like becoming his friend and his sort of, you know, mentee. And then at the end, right, like he has his own gun that Charlie Wax is impressed with and Charlie's like, welcome to the club. And I think that that's, a really big thing for, I think humans in general, but definitely for men, you know, in who are dealing with power hierarchies to be in with the powerful group, right. That will take care of each other. Um, that are, Mm -hmm. that are powerful, that are, have all the nice guns and cars. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, whether that's in professional world or social or, um, you know, or gangs or something like that, where it's like, we, like, they will, you know, kind of despite personal life, right? Like, they Mm -hmm. ask him to leave his dinner, you know? I don't care what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're doing in your personal life. Come and, and like, serve our club so that you can be in it. Um, Yeah. So that, that was a really big theme that I took away with. And also this sense of, having to make a hard call um hmm. like having you know he at the very end like he doesn't shoot anybody yes. right like he that's like a big thing like he's almost this like gun homicide virgin right like he had he didn't even kill the terrorist terrorist squeezed the, the trigger himself and that's a big thing that like he talks to charlie about and then yeah. it comes down to the very end where he has to make the decision of do I kill this woman who I love? I've already tried to negotiate with her relationally. did not work. And do I kill her so that um, I can save the public, right? He was very interested in, like, the greater good. Like, he wanted to save those policemen who were going to trip the bomb in the building. You know, mm-hmm. he he's very, very interested in um, public service, I guess. Um, yeah. and so I think at this end, he has to make this hard call. And I think that that is a theme of masculinity is like, there has to be the bad cop, right? Like, the, not, that's bad, but you know, it's like the good cop, bad cop. Like there has to be the someone that like puts their foot down and says like, no, I have to make this hard call because it's the best for the group. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we're kind of socialized to put that role on on men, and that's a and obviously women take on a lot of responsibility yeah. in general. But um, when it comes to some of those oh. harder things, uh, you know, going to war or you know being on a law enforcement team or you know being a firefighter that requires you know real physical exertion and and danger, right? 
um, Mm -hmm. physical danger. Uh, A lot of times men will step up for those roles. Um, Definitely. And women, it's not like women don't, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was, yeah, it's not like women don't, but I even catch myself, like there are certain things that like in my marriage, I'm conditioned to just default to my husband. Um, And I don't need to, and I know I don't need to, but I make this like conscious choice, like not to step up and do something. Mm -hmm. Like one of them, this is very much like lesser than like going to war, obviously. But, you know, if we're on a car lot, I will let my husband talk. Like I just let him talk because I don't trust my ability to um, maybe say the right words or communicate the right ideas or not be swindled. Or negotiate, (laughs) right? Like that's what it is, is to be like, no, I won't accept your offer. Like Mm -hmm. I want this price and I want to be, you know, I want to be disagreeable and be like, no, this is, this is the thing to make the, yeah. No, the other day we caught Mm -hmm. a mouse in a mouse trap. And my first thought was like, cool, I'll wait till Josh gets home so he can throw this away and dispose of this body. And I, uh, I ended up taking it myself because I caught myself in this very thing. And I was like, no, I am going to take responsibility for this. Um, men don't need to be defined by these things as much as we don't need to be. But yeah. um, we're, we're all capable of doing things like negotiating or making a choice yeah. you're totally right and slash slash um, like being yeah. also like men are often getting a lot of shit these days which they some in some ways deserve but also like mm-hmm. maybe being grateful too of being like they were they've been socialized to put themselves at risk a lot and being grateful for that instead of being like because they're dumbasses yeah. but being like oh there, they, there is a lot they, of hate right now they fill a role that we sometimes neat because you know if he hadn't shot her in the head and travolta neatly catching her from behind so that she doesn't explode you know all those people would be dead right now ladies does it seem like your significant other is kind of adult who's never going to propose i'm tom shane of the shane company We make it our business to always offer the largest selection of loose diamonds and bridal and fashion jewelry in every market we serve. Buy a ring for your guy, or better yet, buy one for yourself too and save him some time. He probably works a really tough job for the government. Unlike most jewelers, we never charge add-on fees for sizing your Shane Company ring, setting the diamond, premarital pregnancy, or association with terrorist groups in France. And at Shane Company, you can upgrade your diamond at any time and pay only the difference in price without having to spend double. Also, if you need us to install a tracker so you know where your man is at all times, Shane Company is the right place for you. Now you have a co-conspirator in the diamond business, the Shane Company, located in the San Francisco Bay, 1.25 miles offshore from San Francisco, California. We can transition and start talking about uh, The Rock, if you'd like. Mm, the Rock. Oh, What the a rock. movie. I mean, this was, it like, Michael crazy. Bay, obviously, is, uh, he is a, he's a certain volume, volume <laughs> of director. Yeah. He, uh, For sure. It was, you know, very um, epic in many ways. He is. He's insane. He, you know, I don't, here's, okay, so I had something happen recently where, I okay, so we we saw a quiet place, um, 
and which is fantastic. Everyone should watch that. Um, if you don't know what it is, it's this movie about um, a, a family and they cannot speak or make any noise because there are these alien creatures, these like awful creatures that will attack you if they can hear you. So they live in this place that's very quiet. And one of their daughters is actually deaf. So then that also brings a really interesting element into the film. But anyway, we got to the end of the film and we were watching the credits and there were still a couple people in the theater. And then it said in the credits that Michael Bay had been a producer on the film. And this guy, when he saw that, he just went, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, this ruins this movie for me. I can't believe Michael Bay had a hand in this movie. And there was a part of me that was like, I hear you, buddy. Michael Bay makes crazy movies. Like his movies are over the top and so intense and there's explosions and so much action. And he's kind of, he's kind of become this like one trick pony in that way, Mm -hmm. but he's still creating work. Like he's still creating something. And I think that we should give him credit for that, for sure. He's had oh, a really long standing career. I am, I am career, in no way you know? being, yeah, I don't think it's a negative no, I, thing. I just think it's. I just it, share that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that I think happened we, And I was like, wow, yeah. Yeah, I think that we mm. love those epic tales. Or even, you know, thinking about like Steven Spielberg's work, which is like so classic and so itself, you know, and it's so like this classic storytelling vibe, but it's not necessarily like avant-garde or, you know, it's just, (laughs) but it's its own thing. It's its own style of storytelling that I think is, I think it's really reflective of our culture and kind of like our desire for epic adventure and pyrotechnics. (laughs) You know, I totally uh. <laughs> agree. Um, the beginning of this movie from the get go, similarly to the other one, I think one thing that did rub me the wrong way, like coming out of the gate was initially like the rock with like the flames behind it. When I saw that, I was just like, oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then we transitioned right into Ed Harris. And <clears throat> I really thought Ed Harris was going to be a good guy in this movie. Uh, because I, for some reason in my memory, Ed Harris always plays a good guy, but my husband was like, no, he's played a bad guy a lot. Um, and that he's like talking to his wife in her grave and he's like apologizing to her. Mm-hmm. And I was really intrigued by that. I was well, a little that's off a classic, by that too. That is a classic save <laughs> the cat. I mean, we, we got a classic save the cat moment where we... And this is something that's really different about the two movies, right? Is that we've got terrorism in both movies, but in this Mm. movie, we have a whole backstory to the terrorists. The terrorists are actually our own U.S. military. um, And not even our military, but like special Marine Corps, like division, whatever they were. There's something I've got to do, Bob. Something I couldn't do while you were here. I tried. You know I tried everything, and I still don't have their attention. Let's hope this elevates their thinking. But whatever happens, please don't think less of me. So they were sort of our Which hero. Like, yeah, they're like in uh-huh. our hero category, and and they have all this complex. I mean, half of the beginning was just setting up why they want to do this plan. They feel cheated by the government, mm-hmm. obviously, um, because they did cheat them out of, like, things that they need. And that is a common trend also in America, seems to be, like, the that we're, we don't provide enough for our military. 
Um, and so, yeah, they do paint the military as terrorists. And that's like such a, that is such a tough contrast because I think in America, we're also so sensitive to the word terrorism and what that means. And even he, Ed Harris has this like moment where he's talking and he's, he's talking about the founding fathers as terrorists and like making that comparison. Right. Um, and like I they mean, were this considered was terrorists. Pre, this was pre nine 11. This was oh, it made in 96. And so I didn't even this think was of even, that. That's yeah. Crazy. I mean, this was even before, I mean, not that there were not terrorist acts in the world, but it, it didn't bring on the sort of associations that we carry instantly carried after 2001 right and Mm -hmm. that the way that terrorism is treated in um from paris with love is that they're first of all we barely get any backstory of like why they want to do this why they feel Mm -hmm. strongly that they need to make their point and that they need to do it in this certain way and that they have an ask, right? Like they have something that's like, you know, do this or else, we, you know, maybe they didn't have an ask. They just wanted to like, you know, they just wanted to make chaos. But that's, again, that's this thing where it's like, we didn't, you know, in that movie, we gave them no humanity basically. And they were all people of color. Um, they were all people from not the United States or France or, or Europe, you know, I mean, maybe they were born in Europe, but they were all of other nationalities. They were associated with vice, right? Like they were all like, they were using drugs to buy their weapons, you know, like that they were kind of associated with the drug market and that's how they were tracked. So it's like, they were so, they didn't have any, (laughs) no save the cat moment, right? Like just they're evil people. Whereas here we spend half the movie humanizing these people who are committing a terrorist act on their own country, holding hostages and doing, you know, honestly, potentially wreaking way more havoc and damage and violence than the terrorism, the terrorists in uh, From Paris were love, with Love were planning. Enter Nicolas Cage. Enter Nicolas Cage. Um, I loved, okay, something I would have liked to see more, and I don't know how we would have seen it more, because like we're saying, like the plot in this movie, I think in some ways was indulgent, like, but also necessary. It was like, they did a good job of setting everything up, but Mm -hmm. it, it, the movie is so long. It's like two hours, 20 minutes or something. But Nicolas Cage, when we first meet him, I was so delighted like I, 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 I think I do kind of just have a crush or something on Nicolas Cage because <laughs> when I saw him, I was just like, "Yay, here he is!" Um, yes. I mean, I think man, it's like his know? little southern accent kind of brings he, you in. Yes. He's kind of cultured, but not necessarily, uh, you know, overly so. Like he's just no, kind of yeah, smart about he's, it. He's a he's approachable. Yeah. He's a very approachable. He hero. is. He's wholesome. He doesn't swear, does he, at any point in the movie? Maybe there's one point at the end. I was so trying to remember. So this is actually, like, in their fun facts about it, that he doesn't, and it, this was Nicolas Cage's call. Like he he said, I don't Vision. want my character to to use, like, the full swears. So he uses, like, G's and gosh and, like, Zeus's butthole yeah. and whatever. Um, but, like, he, yeah, I think it's only when he kills the people is that he does the full swear. So he's like, I'm in the I'm in the so deep like really humanity right it. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? And that's why I love that intro too, because 
you you come in to this like place where they're obviously bored. There's this like goony like uh you know Rube Goldberg machine set up in the room that mm-hmm. he sets off because he's bored. And then they um I just love that he gets the Beatles album, so you know he's kind of just this quirky eccentric dude that like uh buys these LPs without telling his girlfriend and. And then they get into that, oh my gosh, the the sequence where they get the baby or the um the basically doll. the that get yeah, the doll that gets sent to them and then it starts it, the gas comes out of it and it's eating their suit. Ooh, little baby doll. Look at Stan. Hi there, Stanley. Hey, don't. Hi, Stan. Who's that? Who's that? Yes, and I think that also triggered like after watching from Paris with Love and talk and like thinking about this whole like we there are certain people that need to step up to do the the hard the hard work the hard job make the calls and like save the world <laughs> you know and and yeah. and being like oh yeah like this full this chemical lab or whatever this this bomb diffusing place is fully you know is full of men and it's not to say that like mm-hmm. that is good i mean they probably should have had some women there because women are definitely chemical engineers and you know badasses mm-hmm. in every profession but I think that's the thing where, again, there, if if we're if we're making a myth for telling sort of a cultural story, they're saying like, yeah, like the like it's men that are in the dangerous workplace environment, and they are they have to put themselves in the um, line of danger to save everyone. Yeah, but this good movie. news, he gets to come home <laughs> to a fun woman who's so cute he does. and She's so, so delightful. <laughs> I mean, I know now that I'm really thinking about it, I really think they were trying to show the change in his character as well from the beginning to the end by make by the scene happening because he's just so ignorant when he goes home and he's playing his guitar and she comes home and he says, well, no, she asks how his day was, right? Or, or something... Like, there's some sort of conversation or interchange, but he just, like, completely disregards her. Like, <laughs> and then just, like, is talking about his day. Given, maybe on, uh, in comparison, it was more important. Like, he he did do this important thing to keep people alive, but the way he communicates it, it's just like, oh, get over yourself, buddy. You're I am crazy. important. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are so obsessed. And then he says that, you know, the thing about, like, uh, just, like, everything falling apart and you shouldn't bring children into the world. And mm-hmm. then she talks, she, she tells him he, she's pregnant and then she gets upset obviously because she's like, wait, you just said you don't want to have, you know, no one should bring children into the world. Do you not, you know, whatever. And he goes, well, a lot has happened since then. Um, That's I don't know. It's that just like cute. a ridiculous conversation. I mean, his whole so. dialogue in the movie was, <laughs> <laughs> was just of wonderful its own. yeah no it was great and even is, like his hand gestures like, in particular yeah i almost felt like he was like you know what i discovered this character has funny hand gestures i'm gonna lean into that i don't know he's yeah but i think he he's supposed to be this very relatable he's the person 
that is bringing the audience along under the wise mentor who's going to teach him everything about doing this job that he's signed up for, right? Uh-huh. Which um, I think is he, he's like with- a better person for that than John Reese Myers, who is or or John Reese's character, James Reese's character, who is like I'm Absolutely. a stuck up, <laughs> I'm a stuck up diplomat. Um, it's almost and like I'm you're not supposed to, to be either up. person yeah. in that movie, whereas, like, you're definitely, like, yes. oh, I am. You know, he's like every man. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. approachable. So what do you say you cut me some friggin' slack? I think this beginning sequence moves really efficiently. Like, we move back and forth between, you know, this really, you know, him and his girlfriend and, you know, Nicholas is Cajun, what's going on there, and then uh, the takeover of The Rock, and um, I loved Ranger Bob. I'm a huge Ranger Bob fan. He was great. <laughs> I wish they'd followed up with him later, um, but he only has, like, a few lines at the beginning. I, yeah, I would watch a TV show about Ranger Bob, and maybe he, you know, has this life of his own. He <laughs> maybe Does he stay at Alcatraz tours? Like, maybe he quits, and he's like, you know what? I would quit, yeah. When I, when I saw my life flashing before my eyes... I realized I didn't want to do this and I want to open a donut shop. <laughs> I feel like he maybe would go to Broadway. I feel like that was a subliminal message he was sending when he went, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Broadway. <gasps> That's a way better you know? show. Yes. Ranger yeah, Bob. I goes, feel like it could have happened to New York and, yep, yep. and makes it big. I think he could do, <laughs> totally. you know, Book of Mormon, that one character. He'd be really fun. Definitely. Oh, such a good show. And then we, you know, we get everything escalates pretty quickly. I was really delighted. I had like flashbacks, like Aaron Sorkin flashbacks to uh, seeing John Spencer just playing any character, um, any member of government uh, or like behind the scenes (laughs) stuff. I was just like, Leo McGarry, what are you doing here? Yes, it did have this West Wing vibe because, I mean, especially compared to From Paris with Love which had, like, two characters and then literally could have been cardboard cutouts the rest of the movie. You know, there was a lot of team action here, right? Like, there was um, a lot of government, you know, there's, like, a situation room. There's a whole enormous Mm -hmm. team of Marines that are, like, committing the terrorism, you know? And I think there's just a lot more people involved in this movie. And, yeah, kind of, especially, like, the presidential, like, uh, scenes and the situation room like definitely had had a little bit of flashback to, to West Wing there. Although had been this predated West Wing, so it oh my gosh. Yeah. What? Right? What? 96. I'm great. Sure? I'll I'll make the I'll I'll I'm gonna double check. And I haven't I haven't really noticed this in any other um Michael Bay films. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But um, what you're saying about like world building, I think, I think his intent is to make the world as big as possible mm-hmm. and it can be kind of overwhelming for the viewer. And, and I don't know if that's good or bad. I think if you're a really big Michael Bay fan and you probably watch this a million times, you just feel like, you know, all the characters, I definitely felt bogged down by the situation room. Like, who is that? Who is that? Who are all these people? You know, like there's so many people. But on top of that, something I found hilarious the second time, because I watched it, I think, two times. Um, the second time I watched it, I noticed that there, and this is also kind of a 90s trope, I feel like, there were so many wackadoodle, I called them wackadoodle characters. No, I called them the goofies. 
The goofies. <laughs> so characters that they just throw in for like one shot that are like an extra and are just like, whoa, 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 or whatever. Oh, so that's one of them is very nineties. Yeah, yeah. When when there's like a um the tro- uh, it's the trolley, yeah, when it's like out of control <gasps> the or whatever. Trolley driver. Um that yeah, the trolley driver's oh, crazy. There's a special place he in my heart so for the trolley driver. And I can't understand how he survived the explosion that and flip, poor guy. but I yeah. he did. He and did. He I to. was like, "You're a magical trolley driver." Apparently, he so. was so Great. funny. There, there's also an old lady like trying to cross the street, and she's silly. She's just terribly silly. And then at the end of that sequence, um, uh, Cage steals a moped from this like stoner dude who's kind of this like <laughs> classic, yeah. like stereotypical San Francisco guy. And, you know, just, like, there were so many of those little things peppered in there, and it just really cracked me up. It was, like, yeah. I love seeing this. Like, I I, I, I kind of loathe it, but I also love it. No, it's very um, of the time, and I, I feel like that's kind of what I'm saying is, like, with the volume, right? It's, like, those little cameos are very overstated, as well as, like, the explosions are very explosive. And, you know, it's just everything is very dramatic. <laughs> Um, yes. So reporting back, West Wing did start in 1999, oh, but wow. I will say that The American President is a movie that Aaron Sorkin wrote that kind of pre, like primed, I mean, it, it was came out in 95, but it kind of primed West Wing, so I think it kind of maybe also primed uh, the vibe of how we we kind of portray government or something. The actor who played the president in this movie also played the president in Armageddon. So that could be fully the same world. Can you imagine just getting typecast as like a president? Like like you are just the go-to guy to play the president. It would be really it's not an awful yeah it's not it's not one of the worst typecasts. Yeah. It would be quite fun. We have we haven't talked about Sean Connery yet. Oh, Sean Connery. That's kind of important. Welcome to the Rock. He um he was a strange character. Like definitely he was. not super likable, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um not unlike he, Travolta. Not unlike Travolta, where you're like, why, uh, why are we having to trust you, right? Like, sort of this yes. thing where it's like, man, like it's like an un, an unlikely mentor, um, but yeah, I mean, he is very competent in all of the things, mentally and physically. Um, you know and- what he's not competent at though is singing. Um, if you're going to San Francisco, oh, he was bad at that. He could not. He could not keep up the pace. Like he, like the song was going, and it would like be like, "If you're going," and he'd be like, "If you're going to San Francisco," I can't do a Sean Connery accent, he's but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, he also he had a really, way off. Yeah, he's not great at running. There was this scene where he's like going down <laughs> to the beach to to see if Nicolas Cage indeed survived, and he does this sort of like waddle, which is. You know, with the arms akimbo. It was very cute. Um, oh, my gosh. He's also not great at sticking around because, first of all, left his daughter. Been. Also, uh, at the end, there's this sort of 90s vanishing. <laughs> Do you remember yes. this? 
It's amazing. Yes. The flute oh is my playing. Gosh. The flute is providing yes. all the emotions. And we look, he, Nicolas Cage looks over and he's gone he's in a place where he should have been. Distance. He should have been still walking away. Well, if you fancy a journey, I recommend Fort Walton, Kansas. I was thinking of Maui. Forget Maui. St. Michael's Church, Fort Walton, Kansas. Front pew. Right leg. Oh. Is this what I think it is? Mason! I think it's, it's just to show that he is a ghost of a man. I think he, he is a ghost of a he man. He knows, he knows how to do a quick flit away <laughs> and disappear. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up that kind of ties in with from Paris with Love is the sort of visual compellingness of the, the, um, what is it? Like neurological chemical. It's like, how do we make something that's very delicate, but also really dangerous looking? Obviously bright green is like the, you know, the color for poison. Mm-hmm. Um, it always is. So we've got that um, down, but then, how do we make it sort of unnecessarily um, inconvenient? Inconvenient, yeah, hard to handle, <laughs> and fully, you know, like likely to be dropped and oh, you know, um, and so like kill let's everybody. Put them on a string and have them be like glass balls, like um, in Harry Potter. Yeah. So. I and you know what? If we have any listeners out there, and you happen to be scientific folks. I'm really curious because there was a huge conversation in the situation room at one point in the movie about the chemical warfare that is being used. And the whole time I was listening to it, I was like, is this actually legit? Like, is this really a chemical? Or are they just saying big words to sound really smart? Oh, I bet. Um, they, I and bet it's all real because I bet it was some it nerdy be. writer being like, because why else like, would you I put know that all in about there? This. The audience does not need to know. The audience can just tell it's dangerous because it's bright green. But yeah, all in all, I think I think it was a satisfying movie. It was satisfying to watch, right? And I think the ending was relatively satisfying. Um, minus the quick vanishing of uh, John Mason. <laughs> uh, the magic tricks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it all kind of wrapped up as it should. Mm-hmm. San Francisco was saved. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, it, it was definitely a good, like, just the, the classic story arc that left you, yeah. you know, feeling uh, feeling good at the end. Let's do our section, Failing the Bechtel Test, in which okay. we, me and Aaron, fail the Bechtel Test and talk which about which, already done, which, one, which character of John Travolta or Nicolas Cage we would date, which I think in this pairing is not going to be a competition. I mean, I think yeah, Nicholas Cage Barnaway is uh, way yes. more approachable as a love interest. Well, I mean, okay, he's got it working against him that he's like 10 years younger, right, than, than John Travolta was in the movie he's in. But yeah, Nicholas Cage uh, slash Goodspeed, I think, I think I'd be all about that dude. 
He's got great taste in music. Mm-hmm. He's a little quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't leave his. I mean, he he brings his work home with him, which is not ideal. But um, you know, like he, it seems like he'd be. <laughs> I was gonna say, it seems like he'd be a skilled lover, and then I got grossed <laughs> out, and I was like, no, I don't think he. <laughs> oh no! Well, hold on. He would. Well, I think he would be way more palatable than the freaking. Like we did get a verbal or not verbal, an audible demonstration. Of Charlie Wax's quote unquote loving in the background, uh, and I would uh, not want to participate yeah, that was, in that. Nope. Not uh, whatever that was. And so, yeah, I think that Nicolas Cage far and away um, would be the was one better. That we should, we should date. I agree. Back in 1996. So, okay, that said, then, do we, do we kind of feel like we both have a good sense of, you know, which actor was better, which movie was better? I mean, in your opinion, what do you think? My opinion, I think that The Rock is the clear winner in this pairing. I um, think so too. I yeah, I think that there, you know, especially given the balance of like kind of exploring why the quote unquote villains are, you know, doing what they're doing and kind of humanizing them you know, showing their loyalty to each other and they're, that they're trying to make a point that they've been mm-hmm. been not treated right by their employers, essentially, and their, you know, their mm-hmm. leaders, and they're trying to make a point. I think that our star, Nicolas Cage, you know, a much more palatable human in this in this movie, and I think the characters are just, you know, much more... Uh, much more three dimensional that you know at least our our um our stars and mm-hmm. the explosions were bigger. I mean, mostly what I'm looking at, is, you know, definitely does the, does the gigantic ex- does the fire explosion. take up the whole screen or or merely a third of it? So I gotta be honest. I went into pre discussion. I thought I was gonna say I can't believe I'm admitting this to you. Oh, I'm excited. I thought I was gonna say I liked From Paris with Love better because I think I was in a space watching both of them where I don't know. I don't know if my head was. I don't know where it was at, but I feel like there were elements of From Paris with Love that were more palatable for me. I also initially because I think I've watched The Rock so many times I got kind of numb to it and I was just like (laughs) oh this is so overindulgent Michael Bay I can't believe you made it like like it was basically a matter of watching one movie that was 80 minutes and one movie that was like over two hours yeah and I was just like I'm frustrated that I'm having to engage with this so much (laughs) but but then as we're discussing it I realized like this really helped me to realize how many layers there were and were that were intentionally put in the movie and that's why it needed to be that long. And and From Paris with Love was really lacking that. And so that's why it is an <laughs> inferior movie. Like it just, it will be. And and also like I was really questioning before this whether or not, um, you know, there's some of the movies that came out in the 90s, there's just this like rose tinted like lens we see them through or something where yeah. they're still perfect and they still hold up. Be- but it's like almost in an ironic way. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't fully trusting that, like, I really liked it. Um, but I think it was ultimately more fun. And I think Nicolas Cage's character, Stanley Goodspeed, was way more fun than Charlie Wax. So, yep, we're going to we're gonna say 
the score is zero to one Travolta cage. So, or do you do it the other way? I don't know how, yeah, scoring. Cage one. <laughs> that's my point. Cage is the clear winner this cage round. Cage one, Travolta score every zero. Week. But yeah. I mean, next week is going to be very exciting. We have uh, Michael um, with John Travolta going up against the City of Angels with Nicolas Cage. And I, this is a whole other genre for Travolta. So I think that this is going to be real interesting. And I think I, I haven't seen either of these movies and I, but I have, uh, I'm kind of pulling for, for Travolta. I think that, um, his hair just based on the cover. It's good hair. hair It's real good hair. Seems like he's could be a winner. (laughs) I, I haven't seen either in a really long time. My only hesitation or the only thing I'll say is my memory of City of Angels is like that it was pure magic because oh Meg gosh. Ryan was in it. So, oh no. so I can't That's... let that taint my perspective because oh I no. love Meg Ryan and I will always love her. And oh, I know yeah. you love her too. I know. So it'll okay. be really, really interesting to see how, yeah, we're, I mean, we're ultimately looking at these guys and their performances. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what we arrive at. But yeah, Jessica, do you have... We're going to do a little segment right now towards the end of the podcast Okay, uh, called Peaches. It's called Peaches. <clears throat> and I want to know, are there any peaches in your life right now? Like on my shelf, like peaches in my kitchen? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No. Once again, I, like I'm just sec- going, is this going to publicly. Is name Peaches no. or what is going no. on? Why are we? <laughs> oh my gosh. Call me by your name. So good. But that Peaches thing wow peaches no so there is something that happens or is said in the movie face off that relates to peaches and i'm not going to tell you about that part of face off because you have not seen face off so you're being punished but you just have to trust that (laughs) uh for for the purposes of our show peaches are something good in your life that you want to plug so plug away okay i would like to have my weekly peach be I don't know is that the thing weekly peach um (laughs) my weekly peach I'm gonna say it uh my (laughs) weekly peach is Schitt's Creek (laughs) um you actually Uh... recommended Schitt's Creek as well as my friend Dustin and um it the title kind of meant nothing to me and I couldn't even imagine what it was about and so but you know, it's like when two when two witnesses testify, you're like, oh, that's true then. And so when when I had the double recommendation, I went for it, and boy, did I go for it. I freaking love <laughs> Shit's Creek. It's it's the Arrested Development for the 21st century, and it's which I, I guess that, that was made in the 21st. Never mind. Anyway, it's the it's it's the Arrested Development for the 2010s and it was so it's so funny and it's very much its own thing and its own sense of humor and so I I can understand why it's probably not a universal comedy but I thought it was so funny and it's you know shorter seasons Mm -hmm. it's created by Eugene Eugene Levy. Levy and his son David Levy and their father and son in the show and they, it's basically a family of four who lost all their money in New York City. And, and so they have to go live 
in a town they bought as a joke in the sticks. And so like hijinks ensue as they kind of, because they're sort of outrageous. And I think we're mostly laughing at them. And then the, the townspeople are more normal that we can relate to, but all are also really quirky and funny too. So it's just, it's just wonderful. And uh, I really love uh, Catherine O'Hara's in it. It's very, She's it's very incredible. Chris, it's a very Christopher Guest vibe. So if that's something that's up your alley, check out Shit's Creek. Oh man! What about you? What's your so, What's your weekly peach? My weekly peach. Well, I was just thinking about it, and I think my peach something I'm really. So, so I've just been on a kick in general. I don't know why, why, what's happening to me. I'm like, as I get older, I'm watching things that are like younger and younger. Cause I, I mean, I recently, you know, got caught up on Riverdale and all that stuff. Um, that drama team bug head. But, but I think my peach is actually, it's a Netflix film that just came out called I love, or no, no. Why was I going to say I love you? Sierra Burgess, Burgess is a loser. Um, and it's starring, I I can't remember her name. Yeah. She, oh my gosh. It's just really, really delightful. It's, it's this very like modern story or modernized story. I feel like it's kind of the classic, like, um, there's a character who's really insecure and, you know, she, she doesn't really feel comfortable in her own skin. Uh, there's a, you know, a mistaken identity kind of situation. And this guy ends up thinking that she is, this the hottest girl in school and is like texting her and they really have a connection. And so she's really conflicted with this, you know, this like interest, uh, this guy really taking an interest in her in a way that guys hadn't prior. Mm-hmm. And the, the like actress just, is Shannon Purser who plays Shannon Purser um, Barb, Barb and strange delightful things. Barb. And oh yeah. My and gosh. she's in Riverdale. Yeah. She's Ethel. in Riverdale. Ethel Muggs. Oh my gosh. I just, I'm delighted by her. And yeah, I just thought it was a really sweet story. And there's something they, they've really been like with some of these teen films, they've been harnessing a lot of these, like, uh, I guess old tropes and different things. Like it, it feels very old and new at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm such a sucker for eighties, like John Hughes style kind of films. And mm-hmm. I mean, 16 candles was like one of my favorite films. Um, you know, when I was in high school and I, yeah, I just love the story and yeah, it really made me happy. So, but it's, well, it's I, a definite peach. Yeah. I think that what I loved about it and I was chatting with my sister-in-law about this is that one of the best relationships in the movie is not yeah. her and the guy, but the, her yes. and the popular girl Mm-hmm. That are like sort of you know that those two tropes are like the perennial enemies the um you know the bigger girl who's like smart but not as popular and the yep. popular girl who has like who's not smart necessarily in all in the bookish way but she's um you know she has her looks and her popularity and and power in that way and that those are like pitted against each other mm-hmm. but this movie kind of brings them together and not in an it uncomplicated does. way. It's not like, oh, yeah. and now we're friends and it's amazing. It's like, oh, and we are going to, we're going to work out some, <laughs> some, some stuff, stuff together because yeah. w- this is complicated. This is like, we, this is not a smooth ride, but I love that like, that's the, actually the relationship 
that was the most real that, you know, they were the actual people <laughs> together, yeah. you know, having shared uh-huh. experiences, trusting each other, getting to know each other. Um, and that I, yeah, agreed. I agree with your peach. Uh, thank words. you. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot about that dynamic, but it was delightful. It just made me, yeah, I love that they took a character that, uh, you know, the bad girl or whatever is always so like uncomplicated and just mean and awful. And it's easy for you to hate her. But like you're saying, like, it was it was kind of hard to hate this character that you are feeling bad about, like you're bad for because you mm-hmm. see how hard her life is, too. And then, you know, towards the end of the movie, you do see I mean, you see both the good and bad of ev- like both characters, really. And so that's right. also um, also the the guy who plays her best friend, Sierra's best friend, is so funny. He he really, really made me laugh. I really liked his character. Oh my gosh, the um, track, the track and field scene oh my was gosh. wonderful. So funny, <laughs> uh, and I also relate to that because I was really bad at hurdles in middle school, and then I quit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I didn't really understand her. Uh, you know, her wanting to do. It's like if you're not good at track and field, why would you want to? Why would you try? Yourself? But uh, okay, yeah. Um, but I'm Definitely. glad that I'm glad that that was a short lived a short effort on her part. Wow. Well, this was episode one. It was. We did it. We, we, uh, we faced off the movies. We did. We came out with a winner. Clear winner. A clear winner. We're going to tee off for next week. It's going to be amazing. Michael, City of Angels. Yeah. Also, so for those of you listeners out there, however few or numerous you are uh you can follow us on instagram at faceoffpod or you can email us suggestions at faceoffpod at gmail.com we hate to see you go but we love to watch you leave bye-bye